ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Back to Trucker Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about building a brand. Uh, a lot of companies, a lot of drivers, when they start up their own company, they don't, uh, they just go through, they fill out the paperwork with the IRS, where there's state secretary and get their business license. And, you know, that's about it. They may put some uh, mailbox numbers on the truck to make their truck look nice and you know, get the bare legal minimum out of the way. But we're going to be talking about building a brand and brands are important because when you try to take, when you go over to the bank, you try to get a bank loan, get commercial credit started. Uh, they're going to want to know who you are, what you are, what you stand for. So today we have Josh with uh, truck part solutions with us. He's a, uh, a friend of Justin's fellow meme Smith. And we're going to, have a, have a little chat with him about what he's done with helping his company build their brand up. So, uh, Josh, uh, introduce yourself to the audience and let's get the show on the road. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, I'm Josh. I'm, uh, I'm actually an ex radio broadcaster. I only dip my toes kind of into the radio industry before realizing that it's, uh, it's somewhat of a sinking ship these days. So, uh, I, decided to look elsewhere for where I could put my skills to use. And one of those things was building a brand and putting marketing skills to use. And uh, I started with the, this company, was it 2021? Um, yeah, late 2021, doing the marketing and social media content creation. And it kind of just took off from there, started uh, going to some business conferences and doing all kinds of stuff. And I realized having no experience about the truck market, that I was involved with something that I had a lot of passion for. And uh, it's an incredible industry to be a part of. And there's so much that just doesn't get talked about. So it's been, uh, it's interesting. And that's what kind of drew me to the industry. And that's just a brief spark notes of, of Josh. <laughs> so before you joined, um, you know, I see their, their account on Twitter has been around since May 2011. Um, was it basically like your typical corporate account of just like, hey, here's our promos and that's it? Or did they have the idea of bringing you on to be like, we're going to be like all the other brands on Twitter and kind of crack jokes and, you know, share memes? So that's the that's the thing. When I uh, when these guys started doing anything on social media, it was, I think, just because they looked online and Google told them you should probably have a presence on on most social media. As far as marketing and brand brand awareness, there really wasn't much done for our company for prob since 2015 which is uh, quite a bit of time to just have things pretty stagnant. Um, so when I started, there wasn't really any direction. There wasn't really any any thought to it. It was more, um, hey, we have this these social media platforms. We want to expand our brand here. What can you do with uh, the various tools that you have to grow our brand? And so I just kind of jumped two feet into it and started looking at what was uh, what did well on certain platforms, what didn't do as well, and uh, just kind of went from there. And here we are. It's, it's Some of the stuff really blew up. Like uh, our TikTok, we started, um, was I think June of 2022, and I just posted a couple stupid videos, and it, it blew up. Like we had 6 million views on one. We had a, a few wow. million views on another. It was just absurd. So uh, it's definitely hit and miss when it comes to social media marketing, but they didn't really have a plan for it when I started. <laughs> I don't think you can, because even if you do have a plan, if the plan doesn't work, you got to change it up. So I, I think the best way to go into it is just, we have no idea what we're going, what we're doing and we're going to figure it out as we go. And I, I think that's, that's worked well for us. And it looks like it's working well for you guys too. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, and I mean, you guys were a huge source of inspiration. Like when I when I started, uh, you guys were already involved and already posting and already doing stuff. So it was pretty easy to look at uh, somebody like you and see what you guys were doing and just kind of not like copycat, but follow suit, see what was working well for you guys and kind of repeat it and see what we can improve on and do that. And that's uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. You can't have a plan with it. You're right. It's always changing. Yeah. Well, and because you're coming at it from the parts side, you're dealing with like the customer service stuff too. And that opens up a whole, you know, other branch on the, on the tree of like areas and jokes and references and stuff you can go. Whereas dri- truck drivers, it's like, okay, obviously traffic sucks. The day-to-day sucks. Being away from home sucks. You know, so you, you're, you're talking about all the stuff that sucks. And then it's like, well, the truck breaks down. Well, now I got to get my parts. And that's where you guys can come along. It's like, well, we don't have it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And that's the thing. We, we get people, uh, we get people who think of us as very much like uh, roadside repair and, uh, oh, no. you know, like rescue services and stuff. So we, we get calls all the time of people who, yeah, I got my truck down on the road. Uh, I'm stuck on this, this one highway just outside of this small town. And I need, you know, I need this. And so sometimes we're able to help them out. And other times it's like, we'll do our best, but we got to kind of, you know, get you, get you calling around and see what there is to see. But so tell, so tell me a little bit about, uh, so your truck parts inventory, right? It's, yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a, so truck parts solutions is, uh, we're kind of their sister company. So truck parts solutions is our software side. Um, that's truck parts inventory is the software itself. Um, so that's the yard management that's, uh, we do, we deal with salvage yards, primarily, uh, recyclers, rebuilders, aftermarket dealers, uh, that kind of stuff. And they advertise their parts on truck parts inventory. And then we get the people who need the parts coming to us. And instead of going to an OEM and paying an arm and a leg for, you know, uh, an ECM, for example, we can get it to them for a substantially lower price. It's still really good quality. It's got a lot of life in it. It's, you know, it's just as effective as an OEM one. And uh, we can get it to them faster a lot of the time. So we get, uh, that's, that's primarily our goal is to help people, help the industry as a whole, um, try and get those parts that they need and get the people who have these parts, putting them out there so that people know that uh, brand new and aftermarket isn't the only option when it comes to that. Yeah, we, we talked to one of your fellow Canadians, uh, Chase Barber, in the past about like parts availability. And part of the platform he's going with is taking like an old 1960s truck because uh, thanks to the Cold War and, you know, the American industrial side, we stamped out a gazillion parts for these trucks, regardless of make and model. You know, a, a, what was he saying? Like a, a turn signal on a Kenworth can fit into, a, you know, a Freightliner can fit into a Peterbilt. You know, it was all they were all the same part. But now... Um, starting with like the nineties, everybody went to like specialization. It wasn't just, um, you know, different aerodynamics. It was literally like a whole different platform. So, you know, the, the inventory bloat and like the, the the amount of warehouse space available uh, to keep this stuff flowing has, has just grown like, you know, through the roof over the last uh, couple of years. What has been like some of the hardest to find stuff out there that everyone's like, "I, I need this. I need this. The biggest one is always engines. I feel like um, mm-hmm. we get we get so many calls for engines just because they're well. With everything happening down in uh, California, as you, I'm sure you've seen, oh, yeah. it's just oh, yeah. it's a gong show. <laughs> it's a gong show. Um, we've got a couple se- pretty large sellers down there. I, I, you might have heard of them. Uh, you know, Chrome Shop Mafia. Um, yep. Yeah. They, yeah. So they. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they were with uh, one of our guys, Four State Trucks. Um, they're. They're great people yep. and they're doing wonderful things down there, but they've got, uh, 
was it they've, they've hit run into some trouble because obviously they do have a recycled side of uh, some of their business and some of our sellers have that and the engines are always moving we get guys who who turn i want to say probably upwards of with their whole company probably upwards of 100 engines a day like they're getting uh they're getting so many of these things in and a lot of them are really good quality and they can fix them up really quick lipstick them and get them off to uh off to market um but we're always needing we're always needing more we're always getting somebody uh whether it's you know uh way out in utah or somewhere down in california we're always getting somebody who just needs that one discontinued part on an engine or the engine itself that just it's in such high demand that we can't get it and it makes it even tougher when they're in spots like uh california where nobody's gonna bother shipping anything probably uh prior to 2010 um mm-hmm. in and around there yeah how is that going to impact uh california because you know, they, they just passed uh, a law so any any truck made before 2010 can no longer be registered in the state yep and that's not just the uh that's not necessarily just the the truck either if it's got uh the engine in it and so the truck could mm-hmm. be brand spanking new but if you've slapped it uh if you've got an overhaul kit or something for an older engine that fits that uh fits that criteria you, it's not uh it's not compliant so a lot of these guys a lot of the carriers that we've seen have not not like brand new trucks but they have stuff from you know 2010 they have everything from 05 upwards to 2020 and so they're running into issues with uh, retrofitting and they're running into issues with not being able to first off find it because if they go to oem and they go hey i need you know new engines for three of my trucks that, that racks up a pretty hefty bill um yeah. And it's not it, like it's just not feasible for some of them, not that quickly, at least. Uh, it's a pretty big change to make. And then you look at it from our seller's side on the, the truck parts market. What do you do with all that inventory? What do you do with yeah. all of the uh, with all of the stuff that's 2010 and prior that you you can't use? Do you ship it out of state and try and get somebody else to buy it? Or do you uh, just... down, to, down to Mexico for pennies on the dollar? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, the comp- I drove for a company in California and for... Up, up until like the late 90s, they would have trucks that could run for 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, they were beaters. So, you know, if, if a truck was falling apart, they'd, they'd replace it. But um, when I joined them in 2010, they bought a whole brand new fleet. They had to because um, the legislation at the time in California was like any any truck made past, I believe, 08, you know, had to be replaced. And then uh, in 2013, they, they had to replace the fleet again. You know, so it's like it's like every five years, you know, it's, it wasn't a big company you know, only only I think 20 trucks. And then I think we had another 20 owner operators. But like imagine having a fleet of a thousand trucks down there in like every five years through no fault of your own. You could be running just fine. And then some legislator in California is like, well, I guess uh, we're going to do this now in, in five years. And it's like you, you can't just turn these are uh, you know metaphorical you know shipping container ships. You, they can't turn on a dime. You can't just shut down an entire truck fleet and buy a, buy a new one out of out of thin air. Exactly. Yeah. It's just not it's not feasible to ask somebody to to do that that quickly. About how many trucks you say really got affected by the, the motor mandates in California, uh, based on the uh, parts requests you've seen. Oh God, uh, that's a that's an interesting number to try and calculate. Um, in terms of the parts request, like we're not the only guys doing this. Obviously, yeah. there are there are definitely bigger bigger groups out there, like uh, Vanderhags, SNS. Um, there there are bigger groups that are doing a lot of this stuff that we're doing. So we're only getting part of the 
requests. We're only seeing part of the the bigger picture, but we've seen lots of people. I would say in the past, was it when did that get passed? I would say we probably got a few hundred at least uh, requests alone on engines down in California. And we have some pretty big suppliers down there who do deal primarily with engines and engine rebuilds. And they've got quite a big supply. And even they were saying, we don't we don't have the inventory for this. Uh, the the demand is absurd. We've not uh, we've not seen something like this since prior to the pandemic, and uh, it's screwing with a lot of people because now everybody's gonna we're gonna see a bit of a bullwhip I think here because we're gonna get a bunch of our guys buying all of these uh, engines and they're gonna order engines and then by the time we're getting them, I feel like a lot of this is gonna kind of dissipated or we're gonna see it mostly plateau that demand for engines because. Like I said, you know, your options are fairly limited when it comes to retrofitting your fleet in uh, somewhere in and around California if you want to remain compliant. So it's 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 a bit of a screwy game, but uh, w- like the requests are still still coming in. We get uh, we get stuff all the time. Like even now on our on our site, uh, the top top thing that we're looking for is a Cummins ISX uh, engine and engine uh- parts. Okay, so, I was about to ask, to ask you which engine was was it a was the Detroit series going to be the winner in this or was it going to be Cummins or uh, I know ISX I know ISX is a beloved engine is very easy to work on uh, it was kind of designed <laughs> for driver to, to work on himself you know a lot of owner operators uh, use that engine in their Kenworths and their Peterbilts. Uh, yeah, it's uh, the Detroits are always in in demand, like almost always. Aside from the Cummins series, like they're a bit more pricey because they're uh, they're um, they're they're a bit more uh, in demand. But the Detroit series sixty specifically is always one yeah. of the one of the uh, top I, engines we get. I, I, I mean, it it is a uh, well Freightliner West started all Daimler now, but you know that's that's that truck's preferred engine is that D, is that DD sixty. And, you know, yeah. uh, that's what I use. You know, I was Freightliner my whole 16 years of driving, starting off with a classic, working my way up to, you know, the, the not necessarily the, the all the way to Cascadia, you know, the, the oh, what they call it, C4, C6, that, that oh, newest, yeah. newest body style. But it's, you know, it's kind of what I've grew up on. I've, was in a Kenworth for about like two weeks for uh back when I had to retrain in with Werner. I got off the road for a couple of months and just long enough I had to go out with a trainer for a couple of weeks just to make sure I knew still knew how to drive and it was like the worst <laughs> experience of my whole life. But you know, that's a whole nother story. You did mention you drove uh, a, a Kenworth and then a Freightliner as well. Did you happen to, did you prefer the Freightliner? Because I always hear back and forth on <laughs> which people prefer driving. Well the, that Kenworth I drove, it was for an owner operator signed a trainer for Warner. It was his truck, and uh, it was eighteen speed. For, only time I ever drove eighteen speed. Other than that, it was either uh, you know the, the regular uh, uh, Eaton transmission uh, twelve speed, or and you know it's kind of it, it was all right to learn how to do that. But uh, going on about building brand, you know brands and brand imaging. Uh, you really want to make sure you do this right off the get go because screwing something up and having to go back and repair it. You know, you've seen this happen with companies time and again, they'll do something foolish. They'll put out a, a, a bad name, like lot lizard trucking, you know, when that story come out, it was, 
you know, giant bonfire <laughs> for everybody to pick on. So, uh, uh, what advice do you have for uh, not only truck drivers but company owners themselves? You know, about starting the brand. Yeah, well, when it comes to starting the brand, the be- I think the best advice I can offer is just be consistent, even if you're not sure what it is uh, you want to do with the brand or the brand awareness, because some brands don't fit very well with social media. They just don't mesh all that well with it. <laughs> like you look like you look at something like what uh, what you like with the trucking niche. So it's like that's a niche in of itself. We're we're trying to market the software not to the people who drive the trucks, but to the people who sell the truck parts to the truck drivers and et cetera. So it becomes an entirely different game of marketing at that point, And it becomes an entire different purpose. It, it, when it comes to TikTok, what relevance is there in trying to sell, convince Gen Z to sell truck parts? Like it's, it's not necessarily conducive to the whole thing, but the brand awareness is there. Something is there, it's in their heads. So even if you're not making something that's, necessarily got a monetary value quite yet you you can work towards brand awareness you can use that awareness that you have that platform to at the very least put your name out there and uh get people on the same page and you know kind of let them know what you do even if it's not going to be a big hit even if it's not going to be you know go viral on uh twitter or tiktok or instagram or anything but just stay persistent is all i think because if you're if you're persistent Eventually, you'll figure out what's working well and what's not. And as Justin said, it's it's a constantly changing game. So if you're keeping up with those changes, you're go- you're going to be constantly changing your strategy, constantly changing what you're using those platforms for. So um, if you stay persistent, you'll be able to see those changes a lot easier. It becomes a lot easier to to see the the pros and cons if you have a week over week over week. Uh, set of data to look at as opposed to, Oh, I posted once on Wednesday and then two weeks later on a Thursday and you know, neither of them really did any well. So just stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, of uh, how poor important is it for a company to st- st- stay with the times versus maintaining their brand and what they are, you know, saying true to themselves. Yeah, the uh, the big thing actually that we struggle with uh, in what we do is tradition. Is we get we get a lot of people who are in the have been in the industry for a very long time, and they've got this uh, they've got it in their head that since they've been doing it on pencil and paper, that that's just how it's done now, and that's that's what they're going to stick with it. That's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna do, um, and sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought, but basically. They're they're so stuck in tradition that they don't they don't like the idea of the computer because it has to they have to learn something new. They don't like the idea of using social media because it's something that's relatively new as far as marketing goes. Um, And it's that can be scary to them. So I would say the, the importance of staying with the times is, well, it's pretty important, even if you're not the one doing it. Like half of our clients, they're uh, our sellers are a lot of traditional older guys and their sons are the ones doing the, uh, the marketing yeah. or they'll hire somebody else out of, out of college to they'll, do it. Yeah, they'll, 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 get the just, high, they'll get the weird. high school grad to, to come in and run, run everything for them, you know, do the videos and all. Uh, one thing I love talking about that, uh, uh, Deion Sanders coach prime, you know, moved up the, uh, university of Colorado Boulder and he's got his sons up there running the social media for him, you know, uh, you know, perfect example of being the brand, but 
wanting to bring in the younger generation that knows all the the latest hippest trends to to promote, but still having this you know, big you know, brand you stay true to, you know. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. You have to at a certain point, like there's there's gonna be like I'm I'm fairly young, but there's gonna be a time where I go through and I'm like, yeah. okay, I have no idea what's going on anymore. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand it. Somebody else do it. I don't uh, want it. <laughs> talking about the next generation past us, uh, <laughs> chat chat GPT, you know AI. Oh yeah, being unleashed upon <laughs> the world. Uh, is there going to be a next? next line of us or is no uh, are we going to be like wally you know sitting on on the floating couches you know, oh, picking which color hey, shirt i don't know those that floating chairs look... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know those floating chairs look pretty comfy i always worried about the <laughs> the blended hamburger and foods and stuff that they yeah like, oh. yeah no this is yeah, that, this is the same with stuff like that you know, space food in the eighties. You know, the freeze dried fruits and all from NASA. You know, you see in the magazine you'd buy. Like, uh, I don't think I want to try that nowadays. God knows what's in it, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> talking about social media trends, you know, there's this big war going on right now between Meta and TikTok. You know, uh, uh, TikTok being pushed out of a lot of the government organizations, and you see it happen every once in a while in a company. Uh, are is yeah. there a backup plan for if one social media outlet gets shut down or collapses uh, to go on to another one? Should you be thinking about that constantly? That's actually a really good question because uh, we ran into that issue earlier when everybody freaked out about Twitter. Um, everybody was convinced that Twitter was going to go under completely because Elon Musk took it over. And a few people in the office were like, well, we use Twitter. What if... Uh, what if that goes under? Like, are yeah. we, are we, do we have a backup plan? Are we going to still use Twitter? Um, and the, the, the short answer was we didn't have a backup plan. We didn't really have something that, uh, to supplement that function of that social media platform. So I, I would say that ideally, yeah, you would want to have a backup, uh, a backup plan, um, to, to, yeah, have that contingency and, so that if something like that happens, where similar to the government, where they're like, "Oh yeah, no government officials, uh, nobody's allowed TikTok anymore in in Canada," let's say, and uh, yeah, we wouldn't have that. We wouldn't have access. We wouldn't have something else uh, to supplement that. I mean, we'd have the same tools that everybody else has. You know, everything's kind of moving the way of TikTok now. So if TikTok goes down, <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a bit of a domino effect, I think, because everybody's tried so hard to copy them and do what they're doing that it's like it'll just take it'll just take one, and then I think we'll start to see other things go down. Like I mean, was it Meta? It might have been Meta that laid off. Uh, was it thirteen thousand people or something? Uh, yeah. there's, there's been a little bit of downsizing. You know, a lot of different companies. Uh, I guess they're cutting their cutting their fat you know kind of since the economies went downhill a bit you know uh the easiest way to kill expenses is get out get rid of the employees but you know that's right. your automation coming in but uh how did you kind of know you wanted to be be into social media you know you wanted to do this for a living yeah when i started i didn't uh when i first started the job it was actually i was still in college and uh I was still going to school for radio broadcasting and I was working for a radio station out in near the airport in a place called Leduc near us. And it's just, 
it wasn't a good station. It was horrible. The management was awful. It killed my passion for a lot of the industry. And then I applied for this job here just to kind of tide me over until uh, I started with PCL Construction because I was supposed to do an internship with them. And uh, I, I started here. They just had me posting, working half days and doing some posting. And then I realized that uh, I, first off, it was I was seeing a lot of return. It, it gave me that little dopamine rush uh, every time you know you see a like or you know a, someone somebody retweets something. So there was there was that that I found very interesting. But um, they also treated me really well and uh, really encouraged me to do this. And as I stuck with the company, I realized more and more that while I didn't figure I'd be doing social media, I realized there was a lot more than just the social media side of social media. Like content creation in and of itself is. Uh, kind of a kind of a hassle at times, but I mean, I guess I never really, yeah, I didn't think of that. That's where I would be going, but I'm happy now that I'm here. So, kind of how I got involved in social media was back during the the Trump days, you know, and everybody jumped in on the Trump train. They did their own bit of social media, this, that, and other. You know, I kind of done some stuff, and you know, it kind of rolled it into getting out of trucking and into you know doing what I'm working on here at back the truck up of uh, it's it's kind of something you have to really jump into with both feet you can't really halfway do the job you either got to f- commit yourself to it and you know, try to master your craft or you know you're just going to get ran over because there's like a thousand and one other people right behind you that will gladly take your job if you want if you let them uh for for anybody that kind of wants to get into the social media, the meme crap, the meme smithing, uh, is there certain uh, skill sets that you kind of want to learn, uh, uh, starting off with, you know, uh, what kind of programs do you, uh, like to use? Yeah. Um, when it comes to, when it comes to the programs, there's so much that I don't know that I could, uh, that I could live without. So like a big one, I'm, I'm sure other people use it is Canva. Uh, it's, it's a really powerful tool that I don't know that I'd be able to do my job as effectively without, like, obviously I'd find some workarounds, but I feel like it's a really powerful tool. Um, the social media scheduling sites. So like, uh, Hootsuite, TweetDeck, um, things like that. I find those very, very powerful and very helpful, very relevant as as to what skills you need. That's kind of subjective. If you can, if you can, uh, if you can take a, if you can look at something that's completely uh, mundane and you can giggle about it, and you know you, you're good to make memes. You, if you can giggle about something that is seemingly not funny, you, you've you've got it already. And you just got to start throwing stuff together. It doesn't it doesn't have to be you know absolute knee slappers every time. It can be ironic. It can be whatever. Uh, I noticed there's there's a lot more people getting into what you would call the uh, I guess. Can I, can I swear? Can I say shit post? Yeah, go ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> um, there's, there's a lot more of that coming uh, onto the trucking scene and kind of the industry that we're dealing with. And I think that's because a lot more people have started to look at the, the beyond of what humor is now in uh, different, different alleys and kind of what that looks like to different people. And we're seeing different types of humor emerge. Like you've got people who take everyday scenarios and they're, 
you know, they're re, they're writing skits and they put a lot of effort into them. And some of them are, are really funny. And you get other people who just have a dash cam video and they put funny noises over a truck, you know, jackknifing or something. And that that's humor to some people. So it's as far as the skills that go, it's really it's really uh, hit and miss. But you'll know it if you got it, because people's people keep coming back and all it takes is one person to to kind of chuckle at it and share it. And then it's then it's off. Right. Yeah, it's. It's kind of funny how, you know, memes work. Uh, you can make a real good meme and it could be just cut and dry simple. Then you can also do like this ultra complex video compilation, voiceovers, stickers, a wall, whatnot. And it could just fall flat on its face. But one person can think it's the greatest thing ever. Next guy over is like, this is the stupidest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Well, you know, uh, how do you, how do you craft a, the perfect meme i think at that uh, when it comes to crafting the the perfect meme it's you really don't you don't uh, you don't know that you've created it until until it's it does well really because like like what justin was saying i've created so much content that i've spent like i've spent hours creating content and you know pouring my heart and soul into it and you know really making it look great or in the case of memes making it what i think is really funny and then I'll throw that up there and it, it's just like, eh, you know, it did okay. Or, you know, it didn't, it didn't really get any return or anything. And then, you know, you, something that you whipped up in a span of 30 seconds or hell, half the time, it's not even something that's mine. Like sometimes I've reposted stuff and it's done better on mine than it has on the original post. And then I have to go back and I have to give credit to the person because I didn't think it would do that. So it's... It's a, it's a very different game when it comes to creating memes, but you just kind of roll with it. You just keep putting content out there and what does well will do well. And you kind of just have to wait and see. It's really uh, case by case. Yeah, it, it's kind of where you want to make sure you got the proper audience when you try to do stuff on social media. You don't want to uh, put out content that kind of goes against the grain of what your audience is built on you know you don't want to uh, mix and match that's like oil and water you want to make sure you have you know all your oils together you have your waters to get to the other side and they keep away from each other you know uh yeah. or you wind up with a situation like jet fuel and fire you <laughs> really blow stuff up <laughs> uh yep and, you know, like Justin said, we put stuff out on backtotruck.com, our TikTok, our Twitter account. And sometimes the numbers, there'll be, you know, a couple hundred here, a couple hundred there. Then you really find a, a topic that hits home with our audience. Like uh, one of our best ones was when uh, a, a kid in high school wanted to drive us. He was, he's a farm kid. And, you know, he's got his, uh, his family's Peterbilt and he wanted to drive it to the prom, you know, you know, we were, and the principal's one of these, you know, real hoity toity kind of guys, you know, it's gotta be Cadillac Escalades and limousines, you know, and you know, here comes this, you know, big Peterbilt with pipes up and, and that, that didn't, just didn't work with him. So he, he, he threw the kid out of prom and then and now there's this big social media backlash and, you know, and it was one of our best stories of last year you want to make sure you put out content that fits in with our crowd. You know, we're mostly truck drivers and logistics industry professionals. So that fit in perfectly. 
And inside of this industry, you have a lot of moms and a lot of prom moms. And they really jumped on that bandwagon. I want to say nine out of, I don't even want to say nine out of 10. I'd probably say 99 out of a hundred of our comments were prom moms jumping on that principle saying what in the world. Yeah. And you, once you re- hit that resonant note with uh, your audience, it makes it a lot easier to go and, and figure out what to what to put out there next. Like, for instance, I think one of the first things that we made it big on was making fun of Tesla. And I mean, re- really easy. To uh, because, I mean, you know, there's so much. God help us. <laughs> God help us. <laughs> it's, uh, Tro- the, yeah, it's, Elon, it's, it's, it's really Elon, easy to make fun of. What, here's the world's. Here, here is the question life for truckers. Who did Elon talk to about designing that truck? I mean, it, where's is there a trucker involved in this you process didn't. anywhere? Nope, there, there isn't. And I love, uh, was it Thomas Orseski, I think, was uh, somebody he wrote, uh, they did an interview on him and he called it a completely stupid design for the truck and every like broke it down step by step of why it's so impractical to do all this. And it's like, well, now we found our we found our sweet spot there. Let's just really, you know, milk this until we can't get anything more out of it. Uh, I, I mean, the windows don't let down. Hi, it, it, it's like, oh, the windows open up just enough to, for the past paperwork out and stuff like that. I'm like, you know, truckers supposed to let down the, the window, put their arm on the side of the door, you know, get that suntan on one side. You know, that's part of life. But... <laughs> Uh, geez, yep. you know, and it, it's, it, it's great. Cause every time you see one of those Tesla semis break down or on the tow truck, guess what you see all over social media, every one of them. And there's like, and I guarantee you on some, some people's walls, there are like pictures of all of those Pepsi, uh, Pepsi free to lay trucks with X's on them. Every time they yeah. see one on the, on the, on the hook, they yeah. are striking that one out. So, you know, I mean, you got the heist board and everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's it a lot of people were scared about them honestly uh in yeah. in the used parts market because yeah. there was people going uh there was a lot of people going oh electrification it's it's so big it's uh it it's going to be the future and then you've got uh people who are going no there's there's no infrastructure for it it's not it's not practical for all these reasons and then it just kind of flopped and yeah now every time we see one of those tesla semis you know belly up or you know on the back of a rollback trailer it's like hey nice another one bites the dust yeah it's uh, personally my if we're going future truck and i'm more of a hydrogen guy i mean if we're going to do something like that you know maybe ammonia but i don't see really ammonia getting pushed too much it's more mainly i'm going like the the highly on hydrogen system but you know, uh, it it's kind of weird. We went through this not too long ago with a DEF fluid added to the truck, you know. And, you know, now here we are. We yep. got it. Some people want us to cut cold turkey with uh, uh, diesel, but it's, uh, you know, the future's here. Now, what do we do with it? Yeah, when it's not it's not quite as simple as just, you know, making the, making the switch cold turkey either. Because, you know, you look at something, you look at something so objectively fairly minor like what carb is doing with uh chrome for example and then so like on in the large grand scheme of things chrome's probably not that important to a large part of the odr uh trucking industry but you look at 
you look at how that affects the people with all the chrome on their trucks, with all the people who take all that pride in their trucks, and you look at how all of those things are going to impact all of these things, it's it's very different. It's uh, it's not as easy, and I feel like a lot of the people up on these boards are not talking to the people who are you know down working the industry, doing the things, <laughs> and they just pass these laws and regulations with minimal regard. Yeah, you can go to backtotruckup.com and read that article I wrote about uh, CARB's new war, the war on chrome. And uh, yep. I guess they have moved on. Yeah, you know, they got AB5 passed. They got motor rule passed. What can we pick on now that everybody likes? Chrome. Yep. You know, my mom's last job she had before she retired was working at a chrome shop. Well, metal, metal plating of all kinds. Um, but she worked a line at a... Um, a metal plating ca- uh, factory in South Carolina. And so I'm, I'm sure she's laughing her head off at all this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's, it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's the, the, the numbers coming out of carb, you know, it's always, you know, these big shocking numbers like, uh, chrome plating fumes are 50 times worse than diesel exhaust. You know, it's, they're not wrong. I mean, there's all kinds of horrific, uh, you know, chemical stuff involved but they're are they getting rid of just making the stuff there or are they going to get rid of like all chrome plated things period well it's that the uh, chromium six plating and that's you know, the real shiny silvery mirror finish that we're all familiar with they want people to go to chromium the, the chromium three which is like your stainless steel that dark dull gray non-reflective you can't see yourself oh. so uh you know theory crafting there but it's it's not it's supposed to be safer but i you know they hadn't i haven't seen any data what fumes come out of that but it's their new thing but again are are they just banning the manufacturing of it in california or can you not like say you have a truck just flat out chromed from front to back is that truck not going to be allowed in california because of carb no it's it's the plating process all the 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 plating the, the plating companies are going to have to retooled or get out one so if you got any land in yuma arizona like we said with the with the 85 yeah. uh, we, we might see some chrome shops get thrown up in arizona here pretty soon Oof. yeah when when um the company i drove for bought their new trucks in 2012 um to get around the like sales tax stuff they had to open up an office in sparks nevada and it was literally just like an office that they rented. It was like a, de- a chair and a desk. And we followed the, the dealership was in California. And so we, we follow to the trucks to, to Nevada, just across the state line. They drop the trucks. We sign the paperwork. We get the trucks and we drive them right back to California. It was like the dumbest thing ever, but that's like what companies are going to, anytime California tries to pass this dumb stuff, like that's just what companies are going to do. They're going to find ways around it. Yeah. You're not stopping the, uh, you're not stopping what you're trying to stop. You're just going to make it more difficult for people to, to get what they want really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Before I lost power, <laughs> I think we were talking about, um, you know, parts shortages and parts availability. So you, you'd mentioned earlier that because you guys are like a, a parts inventory site and a website, you know, they, they think that you're more like customer service oriented. What yeah. are like, what are the DMs you guys get on your account? Is it like people saying, where can I get such and such? Or is it just, <laughs> why is my part late? 
Uh, actually, it's a it's a bit of everything. We get people. The most DMs we get are actually from people uh, where we don't have any presence at all. Like we get people from the Middle East, uh, uh, South Africa, China, Russia, Australia, um, asking about. We had somebody from Istanbul who's actually a fairly large company over there that they do they manufacture brake pads but they were like yeah we want to we want to get on this site and we want to start selling stuff with you guys hmm. i have to have the very difficult conversation with them that we have absolutely nobody in turkey who is <laughs> looking for any of this stuff at the moment so that's that's probably the most common one but we do also get a lot of angry people who confuse us as actually having the parts because it's our sellers who do so they'll order from let's say they order an engine they'll order an engine from some guy in florida and they don't read something because people suck at reading and they won't read that it's you know takeout engine and they'll think that it's you know brand new or something or you know they'll look and they'll say rebuild has a bit of blow by or something and they're like oh well this said i didn't know this had blow by and then they'll you know lose their lose their, uh, their temper with us and then we have to tell them hey we don't act, we didn't actually sell you the engine we just you bought the engine from somebody else mm-hmm. and uh that's pretty much it the dms are fairly tame it's the phone calls that we get that are a little Ooh. bit more uh a little bit more spicy they get uh they get pretty angry sometimes because we deal with people who are who are sure. busy. they've got places to be and every minute their truck isn't working or they're stuck on the side of the road is a minute that they're not making money. And there's like, there's so many issues with it. So they're often, sometimes the people that we get are, are quite impatient uh, or they'll just, they'll just ask for parts department. They'll go parts department. And it's like, <laughs> hello. Uh, yeah. We don't actually have a parts department before you can even get this, the sentence out of your mouth. They've slammed the phone down or they think they're talking to a robot, not a real person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so common these days. Um, I don't know what the uh, privacy laws are like in California when it co- or uh, Canada when it comes to recording phone calls, but there in in Texas there is a movie theater chain called out the Alamo Draft House. Um, I don't know if they're actually I don't know if they're a chain, but there, it's one theater I've been there. It's fantastic, and one of the ways they grew their brand early on was they had um, voicemails from like angry drunken patrons that had gotten kicked out. It's a very strict theater. It's not like some guys on their phone and like people kind of chastise them. like they will kick you out. They, they do not talk. They, they tolerate nothing there. And um, yeah, the way that they went viral uh, in the early days was they would post these um, recordings online of the angry voicemails left behind by like, you know, people that got kicked out. And it's like, how dare you? I just wanted to see a movie and blah, blah, blah. I didn't know that it was. And yeah, I, th- I think, I think you guys should like start recording some of these like insane ones and, and post them because you know, it, it can get pretty funny. <laughs> That's actually a, not a bad idea. I'd have to look into if we're able to do that because there's so many like uh, hoops to jump through when it comes sure. to freedom of of information and all that it's it's a bit of a gong show but that's not a bad idea definitely a good marketing tactic to get to get your name out there that could do well for sure uh when you guys joined tiktok like what was like the first real like aha moment you saw with like the platform there the first thing i made uh was actually on the platform i joined uh my girlfriend was the one who was like oh you get you should put the company on tiktok like it would be you know it's it's really big and you know you might seem see some use out of it and so i i uh quickly hobbled together this really juvenile edit of a SpongeBob clip involving Cummins. And I I threw that on there and it just 
within like seconds it had like 7,000 views or whatever. And I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. So I, I just kind of started making things and then putting them up there. And then as I realized it took more effort to make the, the videos <laughs> than it was sometimes worth, I was like, ah, oh, this is a lot of video editing for like, you know, not that much return, but that was probably the first aha moment where I was like, Oh wow, this could be, even if we don't get any like monetization out of it, our names out mm -hmm. there, people are, people are seeing it. So yeah, we're we're still like on that struggle bus as well. Like I, I think we we went from like zero to we'll probably hit ten thousand by by the middle of February uh, followers, um, and you know it's great because you know hey we're bringing in views and stuff. But when it's like how do we monetize this? I'm like I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just keep making content on it. That's you guys. You guys hopefully can figure something out because <laughs> even if you try to monetize it, you know if you're if you're making like spicy takes or memes or something you know obviously that stuff gets lots of traction but when it comes to like promoted stuff um very early very quickly so the, the way the tiktok algorithm works is because these videos are so short if you're watching a video for three seconds and you swipe the algorithm recognizes that and if you watch a video for seven seconds or ten seconds versus three seconds it goes okay they like this more than this. So that's the content it starts feeding you. So if you're posting something and people aren't watching it as long as your other content, it's just going to get you know pushed aside yeah. with the with the wave. And how, how you monetize that, other than being like a clothing brand or like a, a prank channel or something, that's it's, it's hard. It's, it's very sneaky the way people have figured stuff out is like they'll have a video of something and they'll say, watch to the end. And you're like, okay, fine. They're, training you to do that because they want you to like pump pump their content up higher yeah it's it's weird how much the algorithm plays into it but how do you monetize that it's a, it's an excellent question and i think we'll i think somebody will find it whether it's you know whether it's you guys or us or whoever it is like they'll find somebody will find something and that'll be the thing that'll be what people yeah. do well it before right like six months before tiktok came along people were kind of bemoaning saying oh we've reached peak um, social media, you know, this, this Facebook and Instagram is, is, is as far as it can go. And then TikTok exploded on the scene and it caught everybody off guard. They had no idea. I, I had no idea TikTok was like what it is now. I, I just listened uh, last night and into this morning, this amazing podcast with uh, uh, Chris Williamson and uh, his, his current guest. And they just talked about TikTok for a whole hour. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a juggernaut for sure. Because now you got senators and such stepping in saying like we need to shut it down because of so, uh, national security and then you have mental health experts saying we, we need to like shut it down because you know it's it's like a dopamine um fiend it's, i guess yeah i i'm lucky that you know i'm i'll be 40 this year so i'm already like a boomer on that platform <laughs> and i kind of do it for work but yeah i i have two nieces that um young nieces that are into tiktok and I mean, they, they could sit there and watch it eight hours a day if, if there's nothing else going on. Fortunately, their dad, you know, is really good about limiting that stuff. Um, but if you want a really good example of, of just why people are scared shitless about the platform is it's it's owned by the Chinese government. And look at what look at the restrictions the Chinese government places on it for their own citizens versus how they let it go wild across the world. Right. It's the, the content is very restricted kids are only allowed on it i think 20 minutes or 40 minutes a day yeah. and only on you know certain days of the week whereas here in the states you you ask any parent with kids the kids are on it eight hours a day yeah easy filtered yeah yeah it's uh it's it's a different type of uh of 
exposure. It, it's a different way of looking at things. Like doing social media all day, I'm like, I get home and I'm like, oh, I haven't posted on on this platform on my personal in like mm-hmm. you know months, and I don't really want to because this is this is a lot of work. It's like I don't want to do that anymore. But I, I was a bit of a terror on on my personal Facebook, like you know, not this last. Um, presidential campaign, but the one before, just because like, the memes and the jokes were hilarious. Like, I had, I had it's, the f- it's what I was telling Josh earlier. You know, kind of how I got started was you know during the the whole the Trump election. You know, doing st- stuff on social media. So you know, it, it's funny how many people got into so, got into uh, social media and meme crafting just from that one election. You know, it was like yeah, a golden no, the, opportunity. The, the, I, it's, it's, it's kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, but there are guys with, you know, you see, um, you know, Vietnam vets with like their, you know, I serve Vietnam hats on and stuff. And somebody made a run of a uh, meme war veteran hats for 2016. And I was like, that's, I'll, I'll never, I'll, I'll never be caught dead wearing one in public. Um, yeah. but it's, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, like as, as I've gotten more into social media as my job and not like my personal stuff, my personal account has definitely just kind of like fallen to the wayside it's I, I noticed the other day like maybe i post once or twice a week and it's usually like you know a photo of my kid whereas yet yeah, two years ago it would have been like six posts a day and everyone either laughing hysterically or just being like i can't stand when justin posts yeah exactly <laughs> yeah there's no in between yeah that's uh yeah it's just how it goes but yeah it's social media is an incredibly powerful tool for a lot of things it'll take some uh, some more time, obviously, to figure out, to work out the kinks and figure out uh, how to, how to best use it for everything. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's a, it's also great too because it's it's all what you put into it. Because you know, I missed the conversation earlier about you guys are talking about Tesla. Um, I think there's there's such a huge Tesla fanboy audience out there, and you know, more power to them. But I I think they have like rose colored glasses on for like literally everything Tesla related, and I admit I did too early on, you know, years and years ago. And one of my first, like, you know, the veil being lifted from my eyes moment was, um, there's this great podcast series called reveal by, uh, Al Edson. And he did a uh, real deep dive into a lot of the OSHA violations and accident, uh, rates at their gigafactory in, um, is California or Nevada? Nevada. Yeah. Um, but they went inside and they looked at like photos of the inside of the plant every single surface inside there is painted red and gray. And that to me, to me, I was like, wait, what? And they said, yeah, there was an, there was an executive at, uh, at Tesla and they were just, you know, very casual conversation. Elon dropped. Oh yeah. I don't like the color yellow. He just thinks it's an ugly color. And I'm like, okay, but that's like safety one oh one. You look at the inside of a GM plant or a Ford plant, anything that can move and kill or crush you is painted like as bright yellow yeah, as bright as, as, as yellow as possible. As and so guys working at the factory are getting run over by forklifts, getting hit, hit by the ro- robot arms swinging around. And I'm like, that's like basic safety, you know, that that's just you know, forget about like, oh, he he doesn't know how to code or he didn't know this or that. Like safety, man. I don't care. What kind of yes men and sycophants you guys surrounding yourself with? Yeah. When it comes to safety, you need some. Um, God, what was I think it was like one of the Caesars had like a guy that was always whispering in his ear, like you were just a man, you were just a man. Musk needs that. He needs somebody that's like super into safety and has like a zero percentile agreeableness personality trait to just be like wrong, yeah. Elon. This is what we need to. And so that was the, the first like, oh crap, he is just a guy kind of kind of moment. 
but again, he's 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 a he's a funny guy, and I think he's having a lot of fun um, with what he's doing. But yeah, when it comes to safety, you can't you can't mess around with that. Well, in an industry like this too, like it's already such a dangerous industry for the people who end up driving the uh, the vehicles too. Like you look at mm-hmm. the trucking just as an industry, it's like that. It's already one of the most dangerous professions out there, just because yeah. of all the stuff that can go wrong. And it's like the very the very least you could do is ensure that the things the people making the trucks and the vehicles that you're going to put out there on the road are you know safe enough. You've done what you can do to keep them yeah. as safe. Yeah. Yeah, law, law enforcement always has like the the trope of being like a super dangerous job and stuff. But when they actually like do the research on these numbers, I don't even think law enforcement cracks like the top twenty in, in um, no, it doesn't <laughs> in, in hazardous work environments. It's like it's like crab fishermen is number one because you know deadliest catch, and then truck drivers number two. Yep, and then there's yeah, there's something else like deep sea like uh, drilling or something because you can get like sucked into a hole the size of a pin pinhole or something. Yeah. Oh, and there was a horrific accident at um, at the airport here in America uh, a couple weeks ago. A poor oh. baggage handler was sucked into an engine. Oh yeah, I heard yeah. about that. Yeah, and like you know, I'm, I'm reading that article. I'm like, ooh, that's that's horrific. And then they, they just did like an update recently, and um, they were like, yeah, that per- that person was warned repeatedly, like, do not get too close, do not do this, do not. And it's like oh. they just either either they didn't hammer it home hard enough, or that person just wasn't um, shouldn't have been on the tarmac to begin with. Right. And I, I think we're seeing that with truck driving right now. There, there are a ton of guys and gals on the road right now that have zero business being behind the wheel whatsoever. Yeah. But because of this, you know, quote unquote, truck driver shortage, um, they're trying to get as many people in there as they can while they can. Yeah. And I, that's a that's a whole nother can of worms is that that uh, it's almost a manufactured shortage. Like, I don't look at it the same way because you look at how many people that are out there looking for for work like that and there's 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 people looking for work it, mm-hmm. it looks like there's uh i feel like there's less people looking to that want to pay the drivers what they're worth and treat them like human beings so that then they'll they'll say oh yeah truck driver shortage so there's we we don't have enough people and then they can kind of fast track people through and they're not you know they don't have safety at the forefront yeah well as we're seeing with the rail shortage right now money isn't really all it's cracked up to be you know they could they could be some of the some of these real worker guys uh are making amazing money right now but they're away from home all the time or if um you know they got a doctor's appointment you know the scheduling just doesn't just doesn't work right right um i i don't think there's enough emphasis on scheduling and um you know the, the priorities of somebody that was a truck driver 20 15 20 years ago are totally different than somebody who's getting into the industry today there's you know, I, I talk to people my generation, and everybody says, "Oh, my my brother's a truck driver, my dad's a truck driver, my uncle's a truck driver." But you talk to guys like you know Gen Z and younger that are getting into it, they have no idea who the hell other truck drivers. Maybe their grandfather was, but there's no. And also, most most of those guys that were driving that have kids, they tell them, "You're not, you're never driving a truck. I, I worked too hard, and too long for you to do the same dumb shit that I did." Yeah, you know. So there, there's, it's. I wouldn't say it's a shortage, but it's definitely the, the the pipeline is drying up. That's that's how I always put it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it for sure. Uh, yeah, it's a different kind of industry. I mean, like I didn't know anything about uh, coming into this job. I knew next to nothing about uh, the trucks, the the drivers, uh, anything to do with the industry. And within you know, just throwing yourself in there, you get uh, you get so much knowledge just talking to people and uh, engaging with them and figuring out what all they've done. It's such a great. <laughs> Such a great oh, world. You get, 
You get, you get something wrong. You get truck drivers and your DMs correcting you real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's the easiest way to get. Yeah. One of, one, of, one of my biggest like worries whenever I put something on TikTok is like maybe I got like one little thing wrong or I was incorrect about this factoid. And I had one last week about um, the 1980 Motor Carrier Act and how a lot of people, you know, they say what you will about Reagan, but they, they seem to think that it was Ronald Reagan who like um, uh, deregulated the trucking industry. And it wasn't Reagan. He obviously did nothing to, to stop it, but it was Carter who passed the 1980 uh, Motor Carrier Act. And so, you know, Carter still alive today. He's out there swinging a hammer, building as many homes for the homeless he can before he kicks the bucket and more power to him. But people don't realize that like every truck driver that knows what trucking was like before deregulation really just wants him like just gone. Just please, you know, they, they, they can't stand the guy. And he, <laughs> he did more damage to the trucking industry than anyone else, you know, combined. And when you put that out there, everyone's like, no, you're wrong. It was uh, it was JFK. No, it was Reagan. No, it was Clinton. <laughs> and so I sent that video over to our colleague, Rachel Premack, and I was like, please tell me if I got anything wrong because I'm getting absolutely murdered in these DMs. And she's like, what? No, you're fine. You got everything right. So, <laughs> Yeah. But half the time, it's just going on there and talking. To, uh, you have to know. Yeah, you, you sound like you know what you're talking about, and mm-hmm. and nobody's going to bat an eyelash until you get that one person who's actually, um, you know, the and they know they might know something. You might have gotten a like a a fraction of a detail wrong, but at the end of the day, the me- the overall message I think is is fairly important, and so it's like yeah. Yeah, it, it, there are guys who very sneakily will get something wrong on purpose. Because it's a great way to like gain, gain uh, to grow engagement and uh, replies. Like there was, um, oh geez, there was a, there was a guy who made a TikTok Tic Tac dispenser on TikTok. Ugh, hard to say that, and it was like an a six by eight grid inside of it, and it was on double double side. So he was like, oh well, if you if you do this many by this way, this many by this way, and you multiply by two, it's you get thirty two. And within like an hour, he said he had like 800 replies saying, no, it's 36. No, it's 36. But because he had so many people doing that, it like it rides a wave through the algorithm and gets gets people engaging. So I anytime I do that, it's it's 100 percent on accident because um, I have caught, I have had videos out there where I got like a couple details wrong and I'll go back and forth with people in the, in the replies. And then we've helped like, you know, our, our first guest we ever had in our podcast was through uh, a, a screw up like that on my on my part. <laughs> So. Well, I, I saw the one about uh, the Guinness truck. It was a, oh, it was a, oh I, God! I, I laughed at that one. That was hilarious because as soon as I saw it, I'm like, "Oh man, he's gonna get." And then the video came out, and it's like how to piss off the whole country at once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I was a little sad that that one that one didn't take off as well, as much as the other one. I, um, it's it's definitely the the screw up videos that get like the the more heat, and then your apology just kind of falls flat. But also that's why I did the apology like kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah, so we'll we'll see who I piss off next. We have too many friends in Australia for me to really um, <laughs> you know go after them too hard. Yeah, yeah, we did that. Uh, we went after. Was it? I made a joke about Peterbilt not being the best truck, and I had oh, no. I had oh, so many people <laughs> <laughs> crawling up. Up my rear end, going, oh, you don't like Peterbilt? You don't know what the what the good trucks are? It's like I don't know. I I've not heard anything good about it. So I I was like, oh, did I did I screw up? Because everything I've been seeing, it's like, Ew. I've I've driven a total of two Peterbilts in my career, and Rooster was in the back of one of them when I was driving to Chattanooga. <laughs> that one, to me, it was a nice truck, it's brand new. But I, I drove another older Pete, and what was cool about it was everything in the truck was air powered. 
So like really? you, you you move the windows up and down, it's like pss, pss, you know it's very quick and everything. But the way the the clutch pedal like uh, bent into the floor, not not like up, you know. So I didn't I didn't like the way the clutch pedal was was placed, and it just mm. wasn't to me. It wasn't a very comfortable truck. I wasn't going very far in it. But all, all I was thinking the entire time was I was driving it was like I just I, I wouldn't want to be in this thing, fourteen hours a day. Right, right. The most uh, we we get a lot of people who uh, drive the Freightliners, and uh, we don't get a whole lot of people driving Volvos, thankfully, um, because mm. I hate it. people will come up to us and they'll be like, oh yeah, do you know this and this about Volvo? It's like actually I know absolutely nothing about the Volvo truck. My, my my favorite truck I ever had, I was in it for three years was a was a Volvo day cab. And yeah. you know, I, I totally get what people say. It's it's a weird truck, but the seat was comfy and I could see everything and the mirrors were fine and it never gave me any problem. Knock on wood, never gave me any problems. Yeah. The so. day cabs are, are the good ones. That's what we, uh, we always rub our hands a bit when we get that because there's always people looking for them. Uh, they really like mm. the day cabs specifically. We can't get rid of the sleepers for whatever reason, but yeah. um, while, while I was uh, without power earlier, did you guys talk about the, um, was it ECM control modules or what, what do they call those? No, we, did, we didn't get to that. Yeah, yeah. ECM, CPCs, all that stuff. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's quite a gong show when it comes to the ECM specifically. Um, actually, any control module. Um, trying to get uh, anything in terms of the electric components is really difficult. Like we have some guys who move a lot of product. Um and even and they hate uh, marking up their prices because they're very they're very committed to the industry. They uh, they don't like price gouging. They, they it like really makes them angry, really pisses them off because instead of helping the driver, instead of helping the company who needs that ECM and offering it for what you can, and like you still make a profit off of it. If you price gouge, you're just killing that driver. You're just killing the company. Yeah. You're you're killing the industry. The more uh, the more you price gouge, and we're seeing more and more of that. Where uh, we've got like here, hold on, give me just a sec. I'll just upgrade. Let's see what. Yeah, so a a 1984 uh, Caterpillar uh, 3176 ECM. That sucker is selling for fifteen thousand two hundred dollars. <laughs> what? Yeah. And the only reason why is because that's the only that as far as East goes, that's the only one there. That is that is what we have. And so we've got people like we've talked with some of these guys about it. And we're like, hey, I get you're trying to make a profit like there's some supply and demand. You can't give it away for nothing, obviously. Yeah. But but you can't you can't just dig them like that. Like it's you're going to get guys coming to you. You're going to get bad reviews like even. Even some of the less expensive ones, average price for uh, the Packar ones, new, old, or otherwise, sixty five hundred bucks. So it's, and that's just the ECM. Like that's a better part of, yeah. It's that that's that's the modules for you, and they're in they're in low demand or they're in high demand, low supply. They keep getting ripped out of trucks. So the people who've got these things, um, they're like they're so easy to take off. You, you literally just go in there, you need one tool, and you're done. And if it's unsecured, like the people who are taking them are trying to flip them for probably not what they're actually worth. And we've had guys try to sell us a lot of the modules that have been stolen uh, or okay. um, like catalytic converters or DPFs and stuff. Like we get people trying to do that. It's just a, it's a, it's a mess. <laughs> yeah, look, looking back on the, on the TikTok that I made about it, it was CPC4 modules. 
advanced truck parts want this was back in geez when did i blink this probably this was back in june june Oh, May. So May 2nd is when I made it. $4,999. And then another one from truck to trailer, $7,500. Yeah. You know, so that was back. Let's see what they're going for now. CPC for module shopping. Eh, they've come down. Okay, never mind. (laughs) Detroit Diesel, $5,000. Freightliner, $2,000. Freightliner Cascadia, CPC for $15,000. Oof. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's another one, Cascade. So it's it's definitely the Cascadia modules. That's what they're. Well, that's uh, the, looks like that, that's what they're ripping them out of. Yeah. Well, and those are the ones that are. Was it? Uh, yeah. They're they're warning people who are driving them to to take extra precautions. I've seen a lot of videos of people actually who will loop their seatbelts, like they'll lock their seatbelt and buckle it yeah. into their door, like even while they're sleeping, like they're in the truck. And this is a this is a genuine threat. So it's like it it's just it's it's bad, and we. We tell our sellers to be very careful when buying because a lot of them, they do a lot of buying. They do a lot of selling. Um, and there's some people have actually run into trouble with uh, with the federal government and all that because there's there's some foul play at large. And we work really hard to not encourage that. If we find out that one of our sellers has got uh, they're doing some shady stuff or whatever, we, we don't we don't tolerate it. Customer service is a big part of what we do, but that doesn't help the industry if you're getting you know, a bunch of uh, bunch of engines that you're not supposed to have. If they're illegal engines and you're selling them, you're just harming the industry. Like, sure, you're making a profit off of it. That's going to come around to bite you in the butt. It's not it's not worth it in the long run for anybody trying to help the industry and uh, do it sustainably. Yeah, and people don't realize, you know, the, the way that the manufacturers are going to combat this is with like even more um, electronic countermeasures or DRM or whatever. You know, they'll they'll Blank, they'll, they'll stamp them blank from the factory, but then as soon as it's plugged into a, uh, an engine somewhere, the engine's going to say, hello, module, this is my serial number. And then the module will say, thanks, I'm locked into your serial number now. If you yank me out and try to plug me into something else with a different serial number, it's going to brick itself. So now you got it, now it's useless. Yeah. That's not going to solve a part shortage. That's just going to make a shortage even even worse. Yeah, it's... Uh... Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's the the parts shortage. It's, it depends on who you ask and where you go. In our industry, actually, it's less a parts shortage and more a labor shortage. We have mm. we have a lot of people who have so much inventory and it's waiting there and they're backlogged because they don't have enough people to to go through this and to get it organized and to get things moved to where they need to be. And uh, like we've got we've heard so many stories of people who've hired really promising people they show up for half a day and they're out or they think that because they're working in a salvage yard they're going to get to show up with a sledgehammer and some iron uh, some steel toes and break some shit and it's just not uh, that's not how it works and i guess a lot of people are you know that doesn't appeal to them so they don't want anything to do with it i had a job like that once it was fun don't ever operate a jackhammer with uh, shorts and flip-flops on i, I still have I, sh- I showed rooster i still got the scars on my legs Ooh, doing yeah. that job but you know, made made an easy eight hundred bucks over the weekend. So, um, but yeah, it's so funny that you, you were talking about a labor shortage. You know, literally anyone you talk to, regardless of what industry that they're in, that's all they're talking about right now. And exactly like you said, they hire somebody, they work for a couple of days, and then they quit. And it's like, okay, either that person was a bum, or if they were competent, you know, someplace better is is like trying to snipe them right now. And you know, I, I, I get the gripes that people have with this, but like you can't have something like that happening 
everywhere universally all at once and and not try to say okay what the hell is going on here yeah we uh we actually sat down um there's a there's a convention that goes on twice a year it's called the international truck parts convention and it's just as exciting as it sounds <laughs> it's, it's uh it's just a it's actually really fun um it, it, great great bunch of people very professional but uh we they, we had a panel in cincinnati on that talking about retention and how to keep people once you bring them in how do you keep them from walking back out the door at lunch or just not showing up again Mm -hmm. and it it was actually quite eye-opening to see how not how little thought but how little thought people had put into how to how to retain people it was everything like people are saying oh uh we'll we'll pay for their netflix subscription which maybe now is you know a little bit more uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, but there's there was stuff like that. There was like you know pizza parties. There was there was like uh, all these little things that are, that are good. But uh, I think some of it is a is a disconnect between the people who are going to be doing the work, i.e., the younger generation and uh, the older generation, being like, oh, this is this is how it's done. So you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta do it this way. And don't get me wrong, my, like my generation is incredibly lazy. I'm one of the laziest people that I know, and it's just like I see some of the people who go in there and they sit they sit on their phones all day. Like we had a guy who was paying uh, a yard security guy a bunch of money, and the guy would sit there on his phone and he wouldn't do anything. And then it's like you hear about that and it's like he's the guy who hired him doesn't have time to check up on him. He's trusting that he's doing his job because, you know, it's a five man team on a, you know, 70 acre yard. So it's it, it's there's no you can only, you know, crack the whip so much that you trust that people are doing what they're doing. And there's definitely some miscommunication, I think, throughout all of these industries. <laughs> but I was I was at a friend's birthday party the other day and this friend friend of a friend type type of guy someone i'd never met before we were, we were talking and we'd mentioned you know labor shortages and stuff and he uh he has a friend whose dad owns like a friend a little couple vape shops and um they have one guy that um he's been with them for a couple of years he shows up with a with a with a monitor and an xbox and a headset and he just plays that thing all day long and they can't fire him because they can't hire anyone he's like he's like i don't care he's like that guy shows up every day He's, he, and I, I told him like, look, if I'm going into a vape shop and I see a guy playing Xbox, that's kind of what I'm what I'm expected walking in there. So you're not you're not necessarily <laughs> yeah. needing somebody standing eight hours a day. Um, you know, I, I used to laugh when I would see um, postings for like Amazon jobs, and like one of the requirements was you need to be able you need to be able to stand on your feet eight hours a day. And I was like, I can't imagine how many people they're like, you know, just disqualifying right there reading reading that. Yep. Yeah, yeah can, no, it's 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 everywhere, man. Like every everyone you talk to, anyone that's like trying to hire somebody right now, it's like if they can even get someone, they're lucky if they stay for more than you know a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, it'll that'll get better, I think. But yeah, for now, it's it's kind of a thorn in a lot of people's sides. But yeah, well, especially with retail, I, I don't think retail has kind of kept up with um, the the pay raises that people have been seeing everywhere. Yeah, you know, I, I, t- I talk to trucking companies, and they they throw out how much they're they're paying their new drivers and I'm like, okay, say you got somebody that's getting hired on for $55,000 a year that they're going to be away from their friends and family for days and weeks or possibly months at a time. You know, they're living that lifestyle on the road or 
they can stay home and work a job that pays $40,000 a year and not have to deal with the headaches and stuff. So you have to, you have to decide how much extra you're willing to pay somebody to put up with the trucker lifestyle. And for a lot of people, that extra 10 to $15,000 a year just, just isn't worth it. Right. Right. Yeah. There's there, there needs to be a bit more incentive for some people and that's the finding that's the sweet spot. But. Yeah. When, when I was before I went to truck driving, I was working retail and I think I was making like 20,000 a year, which like absolutely nothing. And then my, my first year on the road, I made 45,000. So I'm thinking this is excellent. Is and awesome. of course, I, I look at it now, I'm like 45,000. Like as, as an experienced driver now, I'm like 45,000 is nothing, you idiot. But that's, that's why all these, that all these people that are... <laughs> all these people that are like trying to get high school students into the into the trucks now. I'm like, you have no idea what you're going to be doing to this industry because, you know, sure, you need as many drivers as you can get. But imagine the, the kind of money you're making as a truck driver your first year as a teen, as like an 18 year old. That's going to have all kinds of downward pressures on wages for other drivers in the industry. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. when I was when I was in the post office, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with guys that are like at the top of the the pay rate. And, you know, maybe they would talk about when I retire, I might get like a part time job driving a truck here and there. And I'll, I'll ask like 50, 50 an hour. I'm like, you're never going to find that. I would tell them, first of all, you're not going to you're going to find anyone that pays by the hour. And if you do, you're looking at like 18, 19 an hour part time, part time. And they, they wouldn't they wouldn't believe me. I would, I would pull up like, you know, the listings on Craigslist and stuff. I'm like, look, guys, this, this is what the rates are. And it, this was before COVID and all that. And I, I think it went up slightly. Um yeah, I, I told my wife every time, um, like UPS every year in our area, they would have to hire like a bunch of drivers for the for the season. And pre-COVID, it was like 19, 20, 22 an hour that they were starting. And then during COVID, they upped it to like 28. Ooh. And I kept on my wife. I was like, I'm still saying no. I, I like working at the post office. But it's getting harder, man. Some of the numbers are thrown out now. And I, I think at the top, it was like 32 an hour starting Ooh. that they wow. were offering. And then, uh, and then along comes freight waves, and they're like, "Hey, you want to start up the site with uh, back the truck up?" And um, <laughs> the the pay wasn't 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 more, but it was uh, work from home, which I was like, "Oh, absolutely!" I got I got a two and a half year old, and that's that's it's, so it's the work from home really that 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 really got me out of the truck. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, even with a when you're dealing with a slightly smaller uh, group of people, it it almost makes it easier to to make that choice. Like I, yeah, I could I could have taken a job that would have paid twice as much for content creation but it's like i've you know with a smaller company like this it's like they value you in a different way you're valued mm-hmm. a, different, a little bit more you get to create something that's you know your own you get to kind of just get right into the into the team and work with everybody else and create something that you're really passionate about which is which is awesome too yeah it's a lot of fun building something from like the ground up versus like at the post office it's been around since before the united states was even a country <laughs> Yeah. So there's a lot of that thinking of like, you know, I would ask, well, why are we doing something like this? Or why aren't we doing it this way or that way? And right. the, the, that mentality of like asking questions or like coming up with solutions is very much like, shut up. Don't rock the boat. <laughs> this, is a, this is an easy job. Yeah. Um, and like they would literally tell because you're paid by the by the hour, not the mile. You would have guys that would come in and just run as hard and as fast as they can. Mm-hmm. And you got the old old guys there. They're like, dude, slow down because you're. <laughs> What you're going to do is you're going to set a pace and now you're going to have to maintain that pace for the next 30 years before you retire. Like, think about that. Yeah. So you, you got you, and you do really need to slow down. And that that's where safety comes in. You know, all these guys, um, you know, that, that don't make it past their 90 day probationary period. It's because they're driving too fast, driving too close. They get into a wreck and then you know they're cut. 
you know, the guys that have been doing it for 50 plus years, they don't drive like maniac. Yeah, some of some of them do. I'll take that back. <laughs> but um, the ma- the vast majority of them, they they drive like like an old person. Yeah. Well, they drive safe. They drive safe. They've got uh, they've got more to worry about than the next paycheck. There's you know they they're I think they're aware of that that it's not just about you know the money. There's no nothing that you're hauling is worth your life in the in the long run. Exactly. It's, and that's why I tell them it's, it's mail. Like I, I get it. The, you know, people want their packages and stuff on time, but they would rather it arrive than not. <laughs> yeah. Cause there, there have been times where like, you know, you know, terrible weather or an accident, you know, a guy flips a trailer and like some of the mail gets destroyed in accidents like that. You know, it does, yeah. it does happen. Mm-hmm. But thankfully because of like the, the, the volume of mail, when, when I was in high school, there was a poster in one of my classroom walls and it said like 99% isn't good enough. And it had like all these different statistics of like what would happen if only 99% of something got done. Oof. And one of the ones that stuck with me was like if only 99% of the mail got delivered and it had like, again, this is in like 1990, 98, 99. It was like if only 99% of the mail got delivered, it would be like, you know, a thousand bazillion packages that wouldn't make it. And I was like, damn, that's a lot. Yeah. 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 It really puts it into perspective. Sure. All right. Um, yeah, we can we can wrap this up here, Rooster. If you want to sign us out of here, I, yeah. Before I stop, Josh, where can uh, where can guys find you online if they want to uh, follow the brand and stuff? Yeah, uh, Truck Part Solution or truckpartsinventory.com is pretty much our handle for everything. If you just look up uh, Truck Parts Inventory on okay, anything, cool. you'll find us. And yeah, we'll keep sh- we'll keep yeah. sharing those memes back and forth. Hell yeah! All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Back to Trucker Podcast. I'm James Rooster Bowen here with Justin Martin and Joshua from Truck Parts Inventory. And we will catch you guys down the road.